Welcome to Keep Your Pads Down, coaches, defensive line enthusiasts, and purveyors of Mediacre Podcast. So glad that you are joining us today on this last Tuesday in July, which means for many of us across the country, football is starting. If not next week, you know, like for us, we're starting August 1st, then very, very soon. And just like that, the greatest time of the year is upon us, fellas. Uh, the downside of that is that with the arrival of the season, this podcast will be going in hibernation mode until January, but we are not quite done yet. I know we will have at least one more really cool episode for you uh, after this one today, possibly two more, just depending on schedules, uh, but definitely one more. But anyway, it's been another great season of KYPD, and that is due in large part to you guys who tune in each week. And of course, our guests, uh, we will definitely take some time to look back on this season and hit some highlights for sure before we close things out. Speaking of highlights, last week's episode uh, with the coaches wives was definitely a highlight for this podcast. It was awesome. I had a lot of fun recording that episode and, and getting to talk with those ladies. We got a ton of great feedback from that one. So if you haven't had a chance to give that one a listen yet, be sure to check it out and have your wife or girlfriend give it a listen as well. It's a chock full of wisdom from those, those six ladies. So uh, be sure to check that one out if you haven't done so already uh, last week was our first time to have women on the show and like i said they were awesome but i don't want you guys to think we were starting to get soft so today we are welcoming on bare knuckle boxer and title contender hopeful quentin the hero henry uh, on a chat with us today but you know before we get to quentin i gotta tell you about our two sponsors who are, we are proud to be partnering with this season First up is our guys at GoEdit Graphics. You know, as I already mentioned, football season's right around the corner. So you should be thinking about how you're going to be communicating with your fans and your parents and your community about things like final scores, schedules, starting lineups, scholarship offers, things like that, which means you need to check out our friends at GoEdit Graphics. As I've been telling you guys, GoEdit Graphics allows any coach to create custom graphics from their library of templates in a matter of minutes by changing the colors, text, and images to make it their own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, just to name a few. Platform is easy, it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. Go to Graphics is a great way to showcase all your sports and athletes, and subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Process is super easy, and it's user-friendly. And just like last season, mention keep your pads down when you're ordering and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. Highlight your athletes with custom-made graphics in less than two minutes with Go Edit Graphics. And with football season just on the horizon, this is a great time to check out the awesome clinics going on at Our Coaching Network. Our Coaching Network is a football coaching platform that connects coaches from all levels and helps them get better every week. Our Coaching Network has live clinics going off usually a couple of nights a week, and we'll have hours of high-quality live coaching clinics this year with each week's clinics added to a library that can be referred back to at any time in the future. So get on over there and, and create your account today. Subscriptions are super affordable. You can even sign up for a free week. And then you can cancel at any time. Start connecting with and learning from coaches all across the country today with our coaching network. All right, so again, this week, doing something different on the podcast and talking bare knuckle boxing uh, with Quentin Henry. Now, I became acquainted with Quentin uh, a few months ago because uh, we were both a part of a Thursday morning Bible study that meets uh, in Quentin's hometown of West Monroe, Louisiana. It's a, a, a group of guys uh, that get together for a, you know, every Thursday morning. Uh, it was a Bible study that was started by my brother and a bunch of other guys uh, several years ago. And not only do they have guys who attend in person, but they also have guys like myself who tune in 
via Zoom as well. Uh, anyway, a few weeks ago, Quentin shared his testimony and it was really powerful. So I looked him up on YouTube and found some videos of him knocking some dudes out and thought, all right, I want to talk to that guy. So hit him up and and uh, I'm glad that we got to make this conversation happen. Uh, so Quentin has been fighting, as he's going to tell us in our conversation today, you know, most of his life uh, and been involved with mixed martial arts since he was a kid as well. Uh, he got into bare knuckle boxing, I believe, in 2019, if I'm not mistaken, uh, after fighting MMA and doing other different types of fighting. Uh, he currently holds a five and one record and a number two ranking in the cruiserweight division. As he mentions in our conversation today, Quentin is hoping for a title shot, possibly this fall. And in addition to fighting, he also teaches jujitsu. He's a project manager for a construction company. And he also is the baddest elementary school substitute teacher in America. Uh, so think kindergarten cop. It's not a tumor. Uh, anyway, more on that later. Uh, anyway, today, Quentin and I talk about how he got introduced to fighting and his approach to training for a fight, both physically and mentally. And that's really interesting. Uh, we then talk about Quentin's struggles in his personal life and how his recommitment to his faith in God helped him become a better husband, a father, and a fighter. So really enjoyed talking with Quentin today. And just a, a public service announcement. During this interview, we were both keeping our kids on our own. Uh, and so they're, they're running amok all over the place. Uh, not, not really, they weren't that bad, but, um, at the start, you will hear his boys wrestling around in the background a little bit, but Hey, you know, that's, that's what boys should be doing. Right. Especially uh, if your dad is a bare knuckle boxer. So just, just bear with us for the first few minutes. Also, because we are wrapping up the summer, I thought we'd roll with the uh, reggae intro music today to kick off the show and to close it out. So, uh, you know, just, just switching things up, keeping them fresh and, uh, pouring one out for the last couple of episodes of the summer. Anyway, all right, without further ado, let's get to today's episode, episode number 143 with Quentin Henry on KYPD. kind of where we'll start this thing we typically you know start with talking about our guest background so i guess just you know fill us in on where you're from and you know what life was like growing up for you and you know, how you got to where you are today i grew up in west monroe louisiana uh, i was born in, in texas but we moved here when i was probably three uh it's where my family's been from you know both my mom and my dad's side of the family they both grew up uh south side of monroe um, I grew up in West Monroe, uh, been here since I was three. Like I had said, went to uh, George Welch, Westman, Good Hope, West Monroe High School, you know, played all the sports, basketball, football, baseball, played the violin. Uh, you know, I, I did everything, uh, soccer. And also I did martial arts, you know, because every, every sport has seasons. And then there's something that you fill the seasons in with. You know, my dad did um, taekwondo. When I was a kid, uh, he grew up fighting and boxing, and uh, you know he kind of had a rough background. Learned how to fight out of necessity more than anything. Uh, but you know it pushed him to martial arts, and you know so I was always involved in it since I was. Uh, I think I started Taekwondo when I was four, and uh, yeah, I just never really quit. Um, you know, every off season I was training. Uh, I'd be doing Taekwondo, or I think when I was in like the fourth or 
fifth grade. I was about eight or nine. I started boxing. Um, started getting real big into that. You know, I was still doing a little Taekwondo here and there, but was kind of more focused on boxing. Um, and it kind of just continued like that for, for quite a while, uh, I guess, until I was about 16. Uh, my dad had trained Jeet Kune Do for a long time with the guy here in town. And uh, the guy one day just, like, showed up after, like, three years of them training together and was like, all right, I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. And, uh, you know, so, and that had been, you know, years before I was probably 10 or 11 when that happened. But when I was 16, my dad opened up his own gym. Um, that was kind of a Jukundo oriented gym. Um, that was kind of, you know, we, we had the background with boxing and, uh, Taekwondo and all that, uh, that we kind of incorporated things with. We had the uh, evolution fighting system is what it was called or, that was uh that was kind of the point you know uh, bruce lee's um i guess philosophy on on fighting is that it's always evolving it's always you know becoming something different it's getting better you know he kind of had the first concept of, of mixing martial arts together to get you know a result that was outside the norm of of fighting somebody of the same style you know he was more into a style that would beat anybody that was kind of what he was going for uh you know he knew it would evolve and it has we would see what MMA is now compared to when it started but uh you know so we started training like that and but you know when you're training in Jukundo you're not really training to uh with rules really you know there's a lot of like things leading into eye pokes and you know groin shots and it's fighting to win you know so um but then around the, that same time MMA kind of had gotten popular and uh one of my guys uh buddy Clayton Spillers had a uh, just gotten out of the Marine Corps. He was kind of crazy still and uh, started training with us. And, you know, that was right when MMA shows started coming around, like 2008 in our area anyway, and 2007 uh, ish. And uh, he just popped in the gym one day and was like, hey, man, I signed up for this MMA fight in like two months. And we're like, what? <laughs> he was like, all right. So we started training for it. You know, we did, he did well. He did really well. And, and our, uh, our training just kind of swapped to, to that, you know, training for MMA. So we just kind of incorporated some rules and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the MMA goes, that's how it evolved. I guess I had my first fight when I was uh, 18 and then uh, I went pro when I was 21 and uh, man, I, I did MMA until I was uh, 28 or 29. And uh, I think I, yeah, I was 28. But I just turned 29 when I, because I pretty much stopped doing MMA. Um, yeah, I got tired of it. It was, uh, and and I wasn't bad at it, you know. Like I had a pretty good record. I was I was ranked number 15 outside the UFC at, at uh, 185 at one time. Uh, you know, pretty much like right when I quit fighting, I was I was ranked at that. Um, but I had had uh, just too many instances where just people doing me wrong and and just the environment of what I was around all the time was just so negative. Just, I didn't have any enjoyment out of it anymore. Uh, you know, so it just kind of pushed me away and I had, uh, had retired from boxing or, or MMA. I pretty much had quit fighting. I was struggling with some injuries and, and then bare knuckle became a legal thing, bare knuckle boxing. And, uh, one of my teammates had went and fought for him one time, called, uh, the second time to see if he would fight and he would, he wasn't ready to or something like that. Wouldn't fight anymore. And I was like, man, I'll do it. And uh, how much is it paying? 
And, uh, you know, so I made uh, 2500 I think, is what I got on my first fight. I'm like, yeah, I'll fist fight somebody for $2,500. And, uh, you know, that ended up being, you know, turning into what it is now. You know, my fight kind of went viral. Um, it was kind of just one of those things I did because I didn't – I didn't want to say I had the opportunity and didn't take advantage of it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the, that fight kind of had went viral. Um, and then, you know, Bare Knuckle kind of started picking up and they wanted me to do it again. And I was like, all right, you know, it kind of reinvigorated my my competitiveness. So, you know, it was something new, something fresh. And, uh, you know, then I got – and it, it just kind of took off, man. Uh, you know, I, I've always been really good at fist fight. <laughs> you know, even – even when I was an MMA fighter, I, that's what I did is I threw hands. I didn't, you know, I would kick and stuff, but I was a striker. You know, I wasn't trying to wrestle. And, and I've got a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but uh, that ain't what I'm trying to do. You know what I mean? Like, I know how to do that in case I, I, you know, we end up on the ground. That ain't plan A. That's plan B, you know. Uh, so, yeah, man, uh, you know, that kind of took off. And, you know, the rest is kind of kind of history. I'm like, I'm five and one now and bare enough to, uh, I'm number one, well, number two contender, technically, uh, the champ is vacating the title. So like, I'm still one and two, but it's something crazy. But anyway, I'm, I'm next in line for a title shot. Uh, hopefully be getting to fight for it here in October. You know, most kids growing up, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with, with that area. My brother lives there, you know, that's a big football, baseball, you know, kind of even basketball, kind of those three core sports. So what attracted you to fighting over those other things? Like, what is it that kind of separate that, that, that really got its hooks into you early, obviously at an early age, what was it about fighting that really appealed to you? Man, it, uh, I mean, I liked to, to kind of test myself. I like to see, you know, and, and it, I've been doing it since I was four. So it was like, you know, one of those things that, uh, I didn't really know any different. It's always kind of been fun to me. Um, but, yeah, you know, I was I was good at all sports that I played. Really, um, I wasn't. Uh, I mean, yeah, I really wasn't bad at anything. You know, <laughs> in whatever sport I was playing, I was usually like, uh, you know, like I played basketball was probably my favorite sport uh, growing up. I ended up not, you know, getting taller than six one. So you know, is what it is. But uh, you know, I, I, I love I played football. Uh, I was good at football, but I didn't love football. Um, it was just something that I did. Uh, I didn't have a huge, you know, there's some guys that, you know, like we lost. I was on that Varsity Inc. show that Westerner had on ESPN. Um, you know, we lost in like the second round of the playoffs, you know, and there's like people crying and stuff, you know, guys on the team. And I'm just like, man, you know, we're good. <laughs> but like, and, you know, I get that. You just meant that much to them, you know, and to me, it just it just didn't, it didn't really uh, I didn't put a whole lot of emphasis on it. And and I think a lot of that came from growing up and, uh, you know, a lot in the town that I'm from. Were you from West Virginia? You grew up here or. No, I'm, I'm from uh, southeast Texas. Oh, OK, so north well, of Houston. All right. OK, so it's not really like a huge town, but I mean, it's it's not small either, but. Uh, who you know matters a lot and that has a lot to do with what kid gets in what position you know what kid gets to start uh what kid um you know gets more play in time 
you know, because his daddy's this guy or his daddy's coaching or, you know, his mama does this or this is his last name. And, uh, man, I think I ran into that so much uh, as a kid. I just lost – I lost all, I guess, respect for for sports because it didn't matter – it didn't matter what I did. It, I wasn't going to get a hit. There was always some adult or somebody that was kind of like pulled me back or, you know, uh, and, you know, like I was a shortstop. I was – that was my best position. I never got to play shortstop because that's what the coach's son always wanted to play. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't want to pitch. I, wouldn't, I wasn't a good pitcher. I had no desire to pitch. I was a great shortstop. Uh, so I always got put – like, I, was, I ended up being the catcher, you know, which I was going to play somewhere because I was good. But catcher is not where I should have been, you know. But uh, that's just where I got I got put because that's none of the coach's kids wanted to catch. And nobody else was good enough to do it. Uh, you know, and, and that kind of stuff just happened – over and over in just about every sport that I played. Basketball really wasn't one of uh I didn't have those issues for that. Uh, you know, that that really in, in my town anyway, I guess nobody cares enough about basketball for, for that to matter. Um, you know, so so how hard you work really paid off, you know, and it would it would show people cared, you would you would get to play more and all. Um but uh I don't know. I guess it was probably just a bitterness with that because I know that every time I'm asked that question, it goes back into my head. I've always kind of given this answer that it was, you know, once, you know, uh, you might get to start, be starting pitcher. You might get to, you know, play quarterback, you know, and I don't even get to try out for the position, you know, or that type of stuff. I was like, but when, when that cage door closes, it's just me and you. You know, when the bell rings, it doesn't matter who your daddy is. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter, you know, who you know, uh, you know, who your mom's friends with. It's it's what you did. It's it's what effort, what work you put in. That's what shows. And there's not, there's no. It's it's the ultimate lie detector test. You know, if you want to know if somebody's been training, put them in a fight, and you can tell. And if you're somebody that knows how to fight, knows how to train, you can tell if that person hasn't trained yet. <laughs> and there's a lot of times I watch a fight, I see a guy, you know, doing his thing or whatever, and I'm like, oh, well, he did. You, know, you can tell he just didn't train hard enough. You know, there's things that were missing in this game, um, you know, and that that was kind of a, a, an underlying, I guess, bitterness that I had a lot that kind of pushed me towards MMA, uh, you know, but at the same time, it's true. You know, uh, it's a, it's a I guess a lot. It's true to any single player sport, you know, that isn't a team sport. You know, it's like uh, tennis or any of them, I guess you could put into that same that same arena. You know, mine just happened to be be fighting. You know, and uh, it's just what I grew up doing. Um, and uh, it's, it's just always been been an art to me. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm an angry kid or anything or angry guy. I didn't grow up. Yeah, I had a great childhood, you know, loving home. We weren't rich by any means or anything like that, but uh, I never really went without. Uh, and if I did, I didn't notice it. So, um, you know, I did pretty good with that. Um, and, uh, you know, but. My parents weren't exactly, you know, uh, socialites. You know, they just did their own thing. They kept themselves, went to work, came home. You know, and uh, and that that was one of those deals. I guess I ended up having because I didn't know anybody. You know, nobody knew me, even though I lived there my whole life. You know, we never went around to events and did so. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was that was a big thing with it. Uh, I think at this point, it's just it's just something that I'm 
somewhat obsessed with to the point. And it's not so much that as I've, uh, I have gone through you know, areas of obsession with fighting. Uh, and, uh, but it's more of like, I've kind of realized I have somewhat of a gift and, uh, and I like to tickle that gift. I like to use it, you know, like, uh, when I'm ringing that bell, uh, whether it's teaching somebody martial arts or, or actually training myself, you know, I have a, a jujitsu school and I coach boxing here. And, uh, I have guys that go fight. I got guys that go compete in tournaments and, uh, you know, like that's my thing that I can give to people. And, uh, I like, I like educating people just in general, but you know, that's just something that I'm really good at. And something I've got a lot of experience in and, and uh, you know, it's fascinating to me. So uh, I, I think it's, it's really the, the forever student mentality that, that is involved in martial arts. If, if you have the right mentality with it, you know, and that really should go with any sport, not just, just martial arts, but you know, you're always the student. You're never really the teacher. Uh, you know, even when I'm teaching, nothing is finite. I don't know everything. You know, uh, I, I went through a move the other night we were doing it. Uh, I did it. I was like, this is something I've been doing and it's working. And then I showed it to him. And then we did, I sat there thinking about it for a little bit. And I'm like, you know what? It'd be better if we did this, <laughs> you know, what would it? So I changed, you know, and I was like, all right, we're throwing that out, you know, but, um, I think that type of mentality is, is something that helps, you know, but, it, but with, to me with fighting, it's just the, the, the possibilities are endless and uh, that goes for striking and jujitsu. There's things that, that are, that are unique about not only everyone's style, but everyone's concepts, you know, almost like a fingerprint and uh, the way people see the game. And there's, there's so much, you know, combat sports in general has been around for so long. People have been fighting for so long and just, you know, studying the art of fighting. And there's so many things that, that people still aren't even doing. Um, you know, there's still things that I'm, I'm, experiment with and training i'm like i've never seen that it's something you know and, and we're able to do that so um it just keeps it fascinating you know and, and you know that's fighting is my thing for that you know some people it's golf but i don't have the patience for golf yeah well you know i can i can understand the um, you know, maybe the disenchantment with team sports. And so it draws you, you know, you're kind of pushed to a sport where it's just up to you, kind of like what you're talking about. I think where a lot of people would still maybe have a hard time, like really wrapping their minds around is that you now have settled on bare knuckle boxing, which is a whole nother case of extreme in and of itself, right? You are, are looking to have uh, an opportunity at maybe, um, you know, fighting for a title in October, I think you said. So let's say you have a fight on the horizon. First of all, just real quick, how like how far how far like will you schedule a fight in advance? Like how how much time do you have to train? Is it a couple months or? Well, I mean, I like to have as much time as possible. Uh, the the bare knuckle organization hasn't been as uh, I guess uh, accommodating when it comes to giving me extra time <laughs> to yeah. get ready for a fight. Uh, you know. I've had a couple fights that were like, you know, I knew the date that I was going to fight, you know, maybe like eight weeks out or something like that. Uh, like this last one, I kind of knew the date about four weeks out. I got told what the date was. And then uh, I think less than three weeks out, I found out who my opponent was. Um, wow. Now I like to have about six to eight weeks, you know, okay. six is good. Eight's almost too much, you know, but somewhere in there, uh, I'm, I'm happy with, you know, um, right now, I think we're supposed to be talking dates tomorrow. 
so hopefully I'll have a bigger heads up on this one. So hopefully some around, you know, be in the fall, September, October. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I like to have as much time as possible because, um, you know, I, I have a lot that goes on in my daily life in general. You know, like I've got another job, uh, you know, full-time job. I run the gym, you know, uh, I'm always coaching. I, you know, really a lot of my training comes in my free time, which seems to be, you know, less and less <laughs> the older I get. Yeah, and what's, right. the, what's the process of training right. look like? Like, you got the date set, or you, you know, know the right. date relatively? What's yeah, so like? I get the date set, and the last two times what I've tried to do is I go do uh, a week of training camp in Colorado. Uh, I have a coach. Uh, you know, my dad coaches me. He's coached me since I was a kid, but I've got a boxing coach over in Shreveport, which is about an hour, hour and a half from where I am live. Uh, so I'll, I'll make trips over there once or twice a week to train with him. He tries to come over here once a week to train with me. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the time I'm training with my guys here. I usually am waking up early to put in my extra cardio. You know, I've got a pretty lax schedule as far as how my job goes. Um, you know, so I'm able to, to fit in training, you know, in different areas. Like I get to drop the kids off at school and then, you know, I got an hour and a half and I get to go train. You know, but that's not every day. Sometimes I might have a meeting, you know, but, uh, you know, I try to put in a good workout in the middle of the day and then I at least get one training session in at night uh, leading up to that. Uh, man, I, I just focus on fundamentals, focus on my cardio. And it, it's the same thing I do every day. It's just with a little more intensity, you know, a little more intent, especially if I know who the opponent is or certain things we're going to be working on. Um, you know, but I like to uh, I like to have enough time, one, outside from a fight so that I can you know, get a cheaper flight <laughs> or book my room and it'd be a little cheaper when I try and you know, go do training camp in Colorado and stuff. Um, I think for this next one, we're going to try and do it like a two week camp out there. Uh, I think that's, that's what the, the doctors say. You, you need the full two weeks to fully acclimate um, to the, to the environment there. But uh, you know, so like usually like that last two weeks, I really get pretty concentrated on just fighting. Um, I kind of, put as much work stuff to the side as I can. Uh, and man, like we went to Colorado and uh, it was just, we'd get up in the morning, we'd go find a cool place to go hike and we would carry our gear. You know, I don't need boxing gloves, you know, but <laughs> so we would carry some mitts and, um, you know, water and we'd go hike up a mountain and we, you know, find a spot that was like, all right, this is a good flat spot. And we just break the gear out. You know, we start training up there. You know, we're 8,000, 9,000 feet elevation. Um, you know, you don't have to do much to really to get a workout at that elevation. So, uh, you know, and that's pretty much how we spend the day. Uh, I go through, just spend the whole day just doing fun cardio stuff. <laughs> I'm mountain hiking. Uh, you know, we're working whole technique the whole time. But, you know, the advantage that you have is that you're able to, to just focus on technique and not have to worry about getting tired, you know, cause you gotta be getting tired to keep your cardio up, but, uh, just moving around up there, you know, when you're used to, you know, almost below sea level where I'm from, um, does the job that it's just, you know, it's a, it's a pretty place to be, you know, for a week or two. Yeah. Well, as you get closer, you talked about it, you know, as you get closer, you start, you know, really focusing more on fighting, but just throughout that process that, you know, whether it's four to six, eight weeks, whatever it is, What's your ratio of lifting weights, cardio, fighting, uh, specific fighting training? What's that look like? Nice. nice. Okay. Uh, okay. We'll nerd out on this real quick. All right. So 
I really love lifting weights. It's like one of my favorite things to do. Uh, I've probably been lifting weights since I was three or four with my dad. That was just, you know, that was his thing. Uh, and I, I've had to learn over the years how and when to lift weights and, you know, and to be conducive with fighting. Uh, you know, so I don't really ever lift heavy, I guess you would say. Uh, I mean, not really like bragging, but I think what I lift is probably heavy to most people, <laughs> but I'm doing it for eight to 10 reps, you know, uh, but I've never tried to, well, since, and since I've been fighting the past five years or so, I've probably never really tried to max out. Uh, yeah, I do a lot of range of motion lifting and I, I continue most of that, you know, all the way through until maybe the last week or two at camp, uh, you know, but I don't, you know, I don't do back squats. Um, I don't do deadlifts. You know, I don't, I don't do things like that. I do front squats. You know, I don't do bench press. You know, I do dumbbell bench press. You know, I do flies. I do, I do, you know, everything I do has to do with some type of range of motion and making me stronger, you know, as an athlete overall. Um, so, yeah, I try to lift weights at least. Uh, I try not to go too many days. I try not to go more than one day in a row without lifting. Like, if I take one day off from lifting, like, that's enough. Like I can lift something else tomorrow, uh, you know, unless I'm like exceptionally sore from grappling or something else that I've been doing. Uh, but yeah, leading up to a camp, uh, you know, I try to live two, three, four times a week. Still, um, I get a lot of sparring in, uh, and I, I don't spar, I guess, like a lot of people consider sparring, you know, they you know, sparring shouldn't be dangerous. You know, it shouldn't be something you're scared of, <laughs> you know, sparring, is simulating a fight in the most controlled, safest way possible so that you can get the most out of it. You know, so um, I think that, you know, my guys have, uh, I've kind of created a pretty good, you know, uh, vibe, I guess, as it goes to how you're supposed to spar, you know, etiquette wise. So, I mean, we're able to put in, you know, 20, 30 rounds in a day, you know, sometimes, you know, depending on the weather, because I don't have air conditioning, we ain't doing that right now. Uh, but, you know, so, you know, we get uh, a workout, probably about an hour. We try and finish up with at least five, six rounds of sparring. Um, you know, on Sundays, we come up here and we, we try to get at least 20 rounds in. Um, you know, 22-minute rounds with a four-minute break. Or, I mean, sorry, 45-second break. Uh, I do a uh, two-minute, two 15-second round. You know, the, the first 15 seconds is always, like, some filling out. So, I don't feel like that counts. I just make it two-minute 15. Um, Lots of sparring going into it. And then usually the week, the week of the fight, man, I'm just kind of just on autopilot. Um, still maybe try and do some stretching. I'm usually focused on, on my weight, you know. So, uh, you know, I'm never like, I, I don't have to cut like a stupid amount of weight, uh, but I do have to watch what I eat. So, you know, even if you're not having to, to bust it, go real hard, it's still kind of like a depressing couple of days, like five or six days. <laughs> just you know, uh, just being numb, but, uh, yeah, man. And then, you know, you weigh in the night before the fight, uh, get rehydrated, eat some food, get happy, uh, get a good night's sleep. And then the next day, you know, you, uh, I try and get me a, a little breakfast whenever I wake up, go take me a nap. I usually gotta be at the venue about five or so, uh, do fighter meeting and all that. And, uh, I usually end up fighting usually around 10 or 10 30 at night something like that um yeah that's something i gotta do too because you know like we got kids so we gotta be up at a certain time so like you know the week two weeks before the fight though 
you know, two weeks out from the fight, two weeks from then, I'm going to bed <laughs> before I'm fighting. You know, so your body is used to going to bed at a certain time. So, you know, I figured that out a long time ago. So, you know, about two weeks out from a fight, I have to start staying up. You know, I'll start staying up to about one in the morning, um, you know, and then trying to sleep as much as I can, you know, with kids, it's really not an option as far as that goes. Uh, when I'm on training camp, though, I can do that. So, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, so I kind of shift my sleeping schedule a little bit there. Uh, that way, I'm, you know, I try to go, uh, you know, like we're at training camp, I get a workout in the morning. I usually go ride some bikes or uh, something like that. Uh, and then we ended up uh, eat once at night. I do intermittent fasting and uh, maybe go hit a sauna or something like that. But uh, it's uh, pretty, pretty chill the last week, you know, just hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. So there's the physical aspect. What's the, the mental training that goes into this? Because, I mean, you're getting ready to go into a ring with a dude that is trying to knock you out. Uh, and, and, you know, and it's not like I was talking with somebody about this the other day. Like, it's not like where, where you got boxing gloves where, I mean, you know, typically I would, I would think, you know, I've seen a few of your fights and I've seen a few, but like the fights are not going to last terribly long because I mean, it's, someone's going to get cut. Someone's going to get, I mean, it's, it's, you know, pretty easy to get knocked out when you don't have gloves on, whatever, but what's, what, what does it take mentally to get yourself in the right mindset the day of the fight? Man, I can I can tell you this. I've fought every type of combat sports there is, like kickboxing, boxing, you know, amateur and professional, bare knuckle. I got just as just as scared and nervous for an amateur charity boxing match as I do for a bare knuckle boxing match. Because um, regardless of what your you know what the outcome is, you know, we're wearing big gloves, we're wearing headgear, we're wearing no gloves, we're wearing no headgear. Um, it's it's scary it's supposed to be scary you know what i mean any human in their right mind is going to have fear uh and that's probably been yeah and i'm probably not the only one i think you know majority of athletes that's their biggest obstacle a lot of times is themselves um you know or their mindset and uh you know man i spent years trying to figure it out reading books on it trying to read books on you know self-improvement you know how to have more self-confidence how to you know, how not to choke under pressure, how to handle you know, all of them, you know, uh, you know listen to, to famous fighters or guys I looked up to and trying to just ask them, like, man, what do you do? You know, how is it? Um, you know, and I, I, a lot of times I'll have a fight and, or, and it'll go great. You know, my won't, you know, I'll ride it perfect and everything. And then I'll be like, man, I got this figured out. And then the next fight I'll bomb. I'll just feel like it'll just be the worst it's ever been, you know, whether I lose or not. You know, a lot of times I still end up winning, you know, but I didn't, I didn't win the way I needed to, you know, I wasn't able to relax. I was scared. I was nervous, um, you know, and, and that's something that I think I've learned over time that, you know, you can't, it's called fighting, not winning, you know, and it's the same with football or baseball or whatever else you're playing. You're never guaranteed to win, you know, even, you know, you take like the, the Patriots and the Giants back in that Super Bowl, nobody Nobody thought they were going to win, but you know they had they had a bad night. They had a great night. You know what I mean? Uh, the 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 Giants had nothing to lose, but now the Patriots are on the the brink of doing the greatest thing that's ever happened in football. They've got all the pressure. You know what I mean? And that that's kind of like 
that's where it ends up. But it's not like, you know, the other team wasn't nervous. They just didn't care about the outcome because they probably figured they were going to lose, you know? So, but in a fight, there's so much more involved in that because it's so much more personal, you know, uh, you know, as a man to get beat up is just the worst, you know, yeah. that's the worst yeah. that can happen. Uh, you got beat up. That's not good. And to put yourself out there for so many people and, uh, and, and take that chance is a big deal. Even, you know, especially against somebody else who's a trained fighter, you know, there's a lot of guys out there who are like, yeah, I, I used to fight and I did this and did that. And I'm like, yeah, bums. You want fuck took drunks at bars. I'm like, you know, Oh, you, you used to go fight it out of high school. Like, it's not the same thing. I mean, like I'm fighting guys who live and breathe this stuff, you know I mean? Like we're trained, we're professional, we're training to fight, you know? So, uh, but you're supposed to be scared. That's just human nature. And it's, and, and you have to look at it differently. And I think that's something that, like, I have a mental coach that I work with. Uh, I started working with at this before this last fight. Um, and, uh, you know, what's funny, though, is I figured a lot of this out already uh, when, I, when I crossed over and, uh, and, and broke down and gave it to God. <laughs> and, you know, he showed me a lot of this. And, uh, you know, anyway, but you know, that was, that was what I had done is I had kind of made fighting, like, you know, I made it so important to me and like the Patriots did, you know, they built it up. There was, this was such a big moment, you know, me winning had so much emphasis on it, you know, it was so important to, to the, the plan of what was going on, you know, and in hindsight, it really doesn't matter. Um, you know, it's something that's pretty cool that I do, um, you know, but to the people that, that know me and love me, they don't care. You know what I mean? It's not going to change any different. I've still got little kids over here at the gym that think I'm like Superman. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not going to change that. And when you can sit back and say that, you know, uh, I think that that helps and that relieves a lot of the pressure. But, you know, not everybody gets to do that. And really, that's not 100% the way I look at it because, you know, I do make a living doing this. I make money doing it. It's important that I win in order to further this career. Um, you know, but I think, uh, you know, recently one of the biggest things that has helped me, uh, or one thing sticks out in, in particular, I was talking to with my mental coach guy is that, uh, you know, you're, uh, the nerves are going to happen, right? You know, you have fight or flight in you and it's either going to be fight or it's going to be flight, but if it's going to be fight, you don't want to fight without those nerves because those nerves make you better. They make you stronger. They give you a heightened sense of awareness. And, uh, you know, so what I was doing in the past, and I think what a lot of people do is they start feeling those feelings and they start feeling that knot in their stomach or that pressure on their chest. And they start to think, oh, man, here are those nerves. I hope I, you know, I hope I don't, don't ruin this. I hope I don't choke. You know, what if this happens, blah, blah, blah. You know, but instead of having that mindset, I looked at, I started trying to think of it as something that helps me. And, you know, and then like I was expecting it, you know, because used to, I'd be like, man, I'm not going to get nervous. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to be chill. And then, you know, this time I was like, oh yeah, it's going to come. I'm going to get nervous. I'm like, but it's good. I need it. You know, I'm going to use that. That That's what's going to have me on point. That's what's going to make me faster. That's going to make me hit harder. Um, you know, so I think that mentally that was a big swap in what was going on. But, you know, at the end of the day, your confidence is built on a foundation and you have to build that foundation strong with training, you know, discipline, good diet, good weight cut, you know, uh, efficient training. 
And uh, I think if you've got a combination of those, you know, the right mindset and the the confidence in knowing that you did everything that you did to prepare, then, you know, I think that's ultimately you know, the best that you can do. And uh, I think if you go, when I go into a situation to fight and I can honestly tell myself, you did everything you can, now let's see what happens. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I can live with that result. Um, but if you're not the guy putting in that work and you go in there and lose, then you just like, oh, man, you know, what if I hadn't ate those cheeseburgers? You know, what if, you know, I actually did some running or I didn't try and cut 20 pounds to get, you know, yesterday. So, um, you know, but I mean, it's just, it's a work in progress. You know, I, my last fight was the best one I've had uh, as far as nerves go, how I felt, my confidence, you know, staying clear in the game plan. Um, you know, I even, I even had my eye broken. Like I broke, I got, he only hit me once, but it was just like a perfect shot, like on my cheek and his knuckles kind of went to my eye and then it broke my orbital on the inside and then like the bottom of my orbital and then my cheekbone right here was fractured. Uh, but you know, like that's probably one of the worst injuries I've taken and it hurt, but I was still, you know, like, all right, you know, shake it off. And I was able to kind of keep my head about me. So, um, you know, mental training is, uh, that's one of those things I can't give you the answers to, but I, I feel like I'm starting to get a handle on it. You know, just expect the nerves. They're going to come through. Just, just, you know, be happy they're there, you know, because yeah. the, that's the adrenaline that makes you, makes you super. Yeah. And, and I, uh, I think that that's, that's sort of the, um, the universal thing with, whether you're with, with all athletes is they feel that feeling kind of like what you're talking about in the initial feeling that you that you referenced you had not in your stomach is to think oh I'm not ready that's a sign of me not being ready or that's a sign of you know you know that I can't do what I'm what I'm setting out here to do but instead kind of like what you're talking about the important thing is to to channel that and harness that and and use it as fuel to help you you talked about um you know when you crossed over you talked about your faith and give things over to God we're kind of became acquainted through a bible study that we do on Thursday mornings um, I zoom in because obviously I'm not there in person, but you're, you're there in person. And that's where I kind of first heard your story. So talk to us about your faith and how that's become, you know, a, obviously a, uh, you know, the center of your life and how that's helped you and helped center you now as, as not just as a fighter, but as a man. Uh, man, I grew up, um, uh, always a Christian, you know what I mean? I always grew up, you know, we were Methodists, um, you know, uh, but we didn't go to church. You know, we were the group that would go, uh, you know, on Mother's Day or you know, Easter. You know, we'd go with Memo, want to make sure everybody was there. Uh, you know, so but th that was really the extent of it. You know, I always went to church with my friends. And, you know, uh, it's uh, my parents grew up going to church. Uh, they instilled, you know, Christian values in us and how we're supposed to be and act and all that. So, uh, you know, but. I, I always went through my life in general, just, you know, and I'm at heart, I'm a good person. I try and help people. I try and do the right thing. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, mean to people. I don't, you know, seek people ill will, you know, uh, and I've always felt that way. Uh, and always felt like, you know, I was a good Christian and all that, uh, you know, and then as I got older and I started going through things, I think, uh, I think one of the turning points was probably my divorce that I went through when I was, uh, uh, man, I guess I was 20, 23. Yeah. When that happened. So, uh, me and my ex-wife had gotten married, got pregnant with my daughter and then got married. And then two years later, 
she kicked me out and um i ended up having to go live with my parents like man it was just a huge mess and uh and it wasn't anything i was doing <laughs> like i wasn't a drunk you know i wasn't i wasn't out running around on her you know anything like that uh, you know i stayed home like i worked at the fire department uh, I stayed home with my daughter on the days I went at the fire department. I didn't take her to daycare. She just hung out with me all day. You know, we did stuff like that. Um, I had like a lawn business and worked. And, um, you know, she she ruined me for a while there. Um, as far as, uh, you know, because that was somebody I pretty much trusted, you know, completely. And, uh, you know, had betrayed me like that and just flipped 100% and made me a very, very bitter person. Uh, uh, made me quit seeing the good in people. <laughs> I just, I didn't, I'd been so, I guess, hoodwinked, you know, it was just completely full that I just didn't trust anybody. Um, I was very bitter towards everybody. Uh, even my current wife that met me, you know, I think we started dating like six months later or something like that. And, um, uh, but, you know, I was bitter towards, I would do things to her, vent towards her because of the way I was treated in the past. You know, it was things like that. Just, uh, and there were a lot of issues from that. I don't think that I let go of, uh, you know, so I'd been going through, uh, you know, that had kind of changed me as a person. I, I was still in the fight world and it was, it's just a dirty world, you know, uh, like, you know, my nickname is the hero and, uh, you know, originally, you know, one, I'm a firefighter, but two, it was because, uh, you know, I'm not all tatted up and, you know, I don't have a green mohawk and, and I don't flip people off and I don't, you know, act a fool and try and fight people at weigh-ins. I was, you know, the role model for the sport. That was kind of, kind of how I saw myself. I was, I was the bright light in a dark, in a dark arena, <laughs> uh, because everyone else's way to get attention in MMA or in fighting was just act a fool. You know, the, the, and it's worked for a lot of people, you know, and that was always something that I wasn't going to do, um, you know, try and be respectful. And, uh, you know, like I'm very good at, at talking smack to people and with comebacks and just little quips here and there. Uh, and, you know, I finally just started going, you know what? Nobody cares what I think. So I would quit thinking, I, I don't care what they think. I'm going to start telling people how I feel about stuff. Uh, you know, and I've never, I've never really felt like, you know, I've just like jumped on somebody or done anything crazy like that. But, you know, if it was something I wanted to do, then I was going to do it. Uh, if you were somebody who felt like you were trying to get something over on me, I was going to call you out on it. Uh, you know, if you said something rude to me or somebody else in my presence, I was going to call you out on it. Uh, I was going to let you know that you, what you did was rude and that you don't need to do it again. Uh, I chewed out a guy at Best Buy one time because I was trying to help somebody. <laughs> I was getting something from him and he, uh, one of his other employees came up to him and, uh, was asking him something and for these other customers. And he said something to him like, yeah, well, you wouldn't know how to do that. And, uh, he can't help you. And it was just something real demeaning, like real demeaning in front of these customers, you know, and I felt embarrassed for the guy, you know, but I was like, Hey, so you don't talk to people like that. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, uh, uh sir, you know, we we're trying to get you an Apple watch. So I'm like, you're not, you're not getting me anything. 
I want that guy right there to give me an Apple Watch. <laughs> like, you know, but I was, and I was that guy. And, uh, you know, in my mind, I thought I was doing the world a service. And really, I was to a lot of an extent, because I know there's a lot of people who won't do the things that they did before again. <laughs> you know, when, uh, when you do something rude or disrespectful, and then a guy my size and, you know, demeanor comes out and is like correcting you on it. That's, that's something that I expect you remember for a while. Uh, you know, but at the same time, it was kind of making every everybody around me on edge. Uh, you know, my wife, not that I was necessarily doing it to her or the people I knew, but, uh, you know, it just made me not as, as fun to be around. Uh, you know, but a lot of that had come through from, like I said, the, the divorce, and, uh, the MMA world getting screwed over by different promoters and, you know, taking advantage of left and right, uh, different people wanting to manage you and all they want is, you know, to, to ride your coattails and suck you dry. Uh, you know, it, uh, it's just, it, it's, it was a cruel world. I let it get to, me. you know, I let it make me, you know, necessarily something that I'm not, uh, you know, but I never at any time just felt like I was a bad person, you know, or was out, you know, trying to plot on people or do something crazy. I just was standing up for myself. Uh, you know, but at the same time, there's a, there's a right way to do it. There's a wrong way to do it. Um, and, you know, even though I was vindicated and acting the way I could, because there's nothing anybody could do about it, <laughs> it didn't mean that I needed to act that way. Um, you know, but, uh, that, that had kind of come to a head. I'd, uh, I'd gotten to the point where I was pretty much dependent on, you know, smoking weed all the time. Um, you know, that was, uh, I would drink, I didn't, but it was like, that was the problem. I think we talked about, about that in the Bible study one time, it was like, you know, I wish I was listening to this interview and it was actually Steve-O. He was saying he, he's happy that he was as bad of an alcoholic as he was. And, you know, the reason he's happy that it was so bad is because he watches people who aren't as bad as him and they can justify it. And they end up struggling so much longer with what they're going through because uh, they're still getting by. And, uh, you know, in his case, it was like, boom, it was rock bottom. You know, it sunk off pretty quick. I was like, hey, this has to stop. You know, not something that I need to cut back on. And, uh, you know, I think that was something that that prolonged a lot of that because, you know, I, I've i accomplished a lot in my 32 years. And uh, I, I was accomplishing more than most people while I smoked weed. <laughs> and I was still getting by. And that was, you know, how I justified it. You know, I was still doing pretty well, fighting, training, doing all that. Um, you know, and then, you know, it had come to a head with my wife. She was over it. Uh, my attitude had changed. Uh, and really since my attitude had changed a long time ago, it was like her attitude had changed towards me, which just ended up making me more bitter, you know, and worse, you know, uh, that was, uh, that was kind of where that had driven that wedge, you know, it was more of like, uh, we were getting back and forth at each other, you know, instead of just some, you know, being the bigger person and moving on from it or doing whatever, uh, you know, but yeah, that had kind of come to a head and had caused a, a rift in my marriage. And, uh, you know, I had actually had gotten to a point where I, I was, uh, it was my second knockout in a row. Uh, I was being told I was number one contender after this fight, you know, winner gets a title shot, everything I'd ever dream you know my whole life and then uh i got it knocked him out and 
nothing changed. Um, you know, a couple of days go by, you get, you know, everybody talk about you online. Uh, you know, but I, you know, I had driven my wife to a point to not liking me so much that she didn't even seem to care that she was at my fight. <laughs> Uh, you know, which is something that just pushed me even further in, in that last week, you know. Uh, but it was uh, – and I know, like, I had talked to her about that at one time. and You know, we fought over it, obviously. Uh, made me more mad about the whole situation. But it was like, in my mind, what I was doing was for them, her, my kids. You know, in my mind, I – this obsession, this fighting, I'd given up so much. I'd sacrificed so much. I, uh, you know, passed up on so many opportunities, uh, to do this, you know, to be a championship fighter. Uh, you know, like I was supposed to go to med school, you know, like I'm not some GED dropout, you know, I'm not, you know, like I have 4.0 grades, uh, you know, and I chose to be a bare knuckle boxer, you know, um, uh, you know, that's where we're at now. And, uh, you know, but in my mind, it was like all that, all that I'd done, all that would be worth it once I was champion. You know, once I got to that point, uh, it would all pay off. And uh, and then I'd pretty much gotten there. Like I haven't gotten the title fight yet, obviously, but uh, I was number one in the world, and I just wasn't happy. Still, uh, you know, and things weren't good in my marriage. Uh, so I kind of just, uh, you know, I think it was the week after my last. My, that fight, uh, I had, you know, just broken down uh, in the middle of the living room. I had told God that, you know, like, hey, man, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Uh, I thought I did, but I'm just, I just keep messing up. Uh, and it was, you know, either, either I'm out of here or you got to save me and we got to do something. <laughs> I'm like, because I'm done. I don't know what to do anymore. Uh, I'm tired of failing. I'm tired of trying even harder just to do worse. Uh, and it just kind of had seemed that way. Just the more I tried to fix things, the more broken they got. Uh, and, you know, then the next morning I gotten up, uh, I think that was a Friday. That Saturday was pretty terrible all day. Uh, and then uh, that Sunday morning I got up and went to church. Uh, and, you know, that's what I'd said when I, I talked to him. I was like, I'll do, you know, do what I need to do. And, uh, got the kids up, got everybody up. I'm like, all right, we're going to church. And then, you know, I had one of those moments that you hear people talk about where you, where you can feel him, you know, like he gets in you. Uh, and, uh, it was in the middle of church and, you know, I've been in church for plenty of times, but I've never really, I've just been there. You know, I wasn't involved. Uh, and that was the difference, you know? Um, and, that's and it was just this feeling had come over me it hit me and uh you know all i could think was uh there's this one preacher that i've always been friends with like even outside of church uh was uh mr mark finn and uh he announces our football games and so anyway uh like forever he's like the voice of westman but uh he's a deacon at our church uh or associate pastor or something but you know and uh i was just like man i need to go i need to talk to him and then they do this thing at the end of service where like, you know, if you want to talk, go to the connect room. And, uh, and I go to the connect room and he was in there. I was like, what? And, uh, so, you know, we talked to each other. I broke down and pretty much told him what was going on, you know, and he was like, you know, he just explained to me how, you know, even if there's people that I've hurt or people that I'd upset or let down that there's always redemption, you know, uh, 
he had brought up, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul uh, and, and how terrible of a person he used to be, you know, before he made his transition over. And, you know, and that, you know, he's explaining all the things he had done. And he was like, look, man, he turned out to be, you know, God's favorite son almost, you know, and he was like, you know, historically one of the greatest, you know, Christians of all time. Um, you know, and, you know, if the people could forgive him for what he did, then, then why can't you be redeemed? You know, why can't you do the same? Uh, you know, and that was something that kind of had, had stuck with me pretty strong there. Uh, you know, and I did, I finally had, had given in and, um, uh, just fully committed to what was going on as far as, you know, being part of church and, you know, studying and listening and trying to, you know, I started going to Bible studies, uh, I started doing extra Bible study on my own. Um, I was, I'm actually like a substitute teacher uh, at like the schools in my area, like Washington, like the elementary schools, junior high, high school. I go do like substitute. I like elementary more than any of them, but uh, you know, so like a lot of times, like I would go sub and I just sit there and read my Bible all day because the sub don't do nothing. You know, you're just a babysitter. They, they got busy work to do or whatever, uh, you know, but I just started putting forth effort. And, uh, you know, I think sitting back and realizing that, you know, what wasn't important or what fighting wasn't important to me. And when you start looking at it in like a biblical sense, you know, like, uh, you know, the Ten Commandments, they talk about, you know, you're not supposed to have any idols before me. Uh, that isn't, you know, most of the time people think an idol, you're thinking of like a man or a person, you know, like you're not supposed to, you know, you know worship someone beside, but you know, the Bible defines it as anything that distracts you from God is an idol, you know, whether that be women, whether that be drinking, you know, uh, football, basketball, fighting, you know, mine was fighting, mine was training. Um, I was so in, in love with it, just I idolized it so much. It just consumed everything I was. And, uh, you know, if you're not, and I've, I've realized this now, if you're not actively pursuing, uh, a life with Christ, you're not ever going to get there. And it's not something that you can do a little bit for. And then you, you know, I've, okay, well, I've made it this far. All right, I'm good. And, you know, as soon as you stop, it starts to decline. You know, it's like a bucket with a hole in it, you know, that you're trying to fill up. And as soon as you take your foot off the gas, you know, and you look back, you come back six months later, your bucket's in and you can tell, but it's a gradual thing. It's a very, very small leak. And it's little by little. You know, just like that uh, that bullfrog in the pot, not realizing that water's getting warmer. You know, so uh, that uh, that's kind of you know what I since then I've uh, you know committed to myself to you know learning the word, following and being involved and being what he wants me to be. And uh, man, my life has changed completely uh, in a good way. <laughs> You know, in the past, it just always seemed like I always had all these bad breaks, you know, and then even if, if something good did happen, I had a rule of three. It might happen twice, but it won't happen three times. And if I had two good things happen to me, I'm about to have three bad ones. Um, and that's just the way that my life worked. And it wasn't like something I was making up. It just, it's how it happened, you know, and, uh, and I think a lot of it had to do with me trying to fix things myself instead of letting him do it or letting things work out the way that he wanted it to be, you know, or trying to, to break things down and mold the big picture into what I think it is. And I, you know, I'm looking through a telescope. I can't even see from that far away. And, uh, you know, I think 
uh, as once I started just focusing on me and being what he wanted me to be, everything else just started filling in around that. Um, so yeah, man, and that's what I was talking about. The mental training was, you know, that was, that was the biggest deal after, you know, after I had, I use as my defining terms, crossed over, um, fighting didn't matter anymore. You know, that, that's not what gave me joy. You know, that was not what I looked for, for happiness. Um, you know, and I, I tell people about this too, is that, you know, like my grandfather was like the happiest person I ever met, like my whole life and everybody ever knew him was just like, Oh, your daddy, you know, your grandpa's Ronnie. I'm like, yeah, yeah. They're like, Oh, we love him. You know, everybody, everybody loved my football. He was literally just a saint, uh, you know, and like he was so happy all the time. I never even imagined I could be that happy. Like that's how, <laughs> that's how he was. It was just like, I can't even be that. I'm not even going to try. You know, like it was, it was a goal. I, I could never live up to that. Um, and I never, and I, I didn't believe that I could. And, uh, you know, I didn't realize until after, you know, I started, you know, I'd given myself up and it crossed over and, uh, you know, put it in his hands. That's why he was so happy. And <laughs> that's how he found that happiness because, you know, he was a, a, a godly man. He did do things that he was supposed to, you know, like all, I, I don't come from, like the classiest family you know what i mean like we got our trashy side you know like that song and it's strong <laughs> it's look at this mullet you know what i'm saying like like it's strong uh <laughs> i grew up in a trailer most of us did you know uh but you know my my grandpa had nine kids they never had a lot of money uh but he was always happy and it was because he had what he always needed you know he always um, you know, he was always taken care of. He always knew things were going to be all right. He had his kids, he had his family, uh, you know, and he had a bill on the table and he was content with that. He wasn't, he wasn't asking for more, you know, like, you know, when you say the Lord's prayer, you ask, you know, you don't, you don't pray for a year's worth of bread. You ask for our daily bread. And, you know, that's all that's guaranteed from him. If you follow me, then I'll take care of your daily bread. And then we'll worry about the next day tomorrow. And then you'll get more daily bread. <laughs> um, you know, so. I think taking that approach to life in general has been probably one of the biggest, biggest helps, you know, with fighting, because once I'd done that, I didn't even care. Like I said, I didn't even care about fighting anymore. Um, I even told them, you know, at one point I was like, you're either going to pay me, you know, this much money or I'm just not going to do it. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't, I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to tell you. And I, you know, I didn't go ask for some ridiculous amount of money. And they're like, well, I'm like, Basically, what I'm telling you is that I could I could never fight again in my life, and I'll be perfectly happy. So the only way you're going to get me to is if you pay me this much money. And like, and if you don't want to, that's no hard feelings. You know, you can move on, and I'll move on, and I'll be happy, and maybe you can be happy, maybe not, probably not, because I'm not fighting for you. But you know, we'll we'll make it happen. And, and you know, and you know, they went with it. And they were like, yeah, man, you know, we could do that. You know, that's fine, but. But I was serious when I said that, you know, I told them they had no zero leverage on me. Uh, I was 100% serious. I would leave today. And if it's something I didn't like, then I'd be perfectly happy with what I've done. And, uh, you know, I think that that type of attitude is very free uh, in life in general. Uh, you know, if if you know that God's always going to take care of you and you have faith in that, then, then what are you scared of? You know? Uh, yeah. 
if it's a situation like that, you know, I don't, I don't want to go in here and get hurt for X amount of dollars. I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm not going to put my family through that. I've got to sacrifice this much time with them, which I value more over this. Uh, you know, it's, it's got to have a price tag on it. You know what I mean? I got to be able to, to make up for that time I missed for them. I need to be able to take a busy world. You know, we need to do something so they can say, you know, you know, justify why daddy's gone. And, uh, or why, you know, my face might be broken for six weeks or, you know, daddy's sitting around with an eye patch on, you know. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of guys that don't have that, you know, that all they have is fighting. And when they look at you and say, yeah, we'll pay you $2,000, take it or leave it, well, you're going to take it. Because you got nothing else. You got no options. And uh, I'm not that guy anymore. <laughs> uh, I got way more than they can ever give me. So, you know, it, it, it just needs to be a good deal or something that, that I'm interested in. That's awesome. And, and, you know, I think that the, the, the cool thing about all of that is, you know, I think the misconception uh, or maybe the perception of Christians, in particular Christian men in our world today, is that, you know, you got to be these like meek and timid guys who, you know, apologize and, you know, for, for things and just kind of, kind of, I don't know. Um, are afraid to stand up and 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 be warriors, you know, um, for their families and 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 um, you know just in just in life in general. And I think that that's that's that in the toughest sport that you're in, you know, that you can see that you can recognize in guys that the guys who have nothing else, like it's it's all hollow. And we can see that. You know, you can see that in coaches that you know it's never enough for them they can win this game or they win a championship and i think that'll be the answer and it's not and right. it's the same thing with the kids it's what you try to get the kids to understand is that all this stuff is fleeting and it's temporary and what we're trying to get you guys to buy into is something that's going to last a whole lot longer than you know some district championship or state championship trophy so eternity. i think that's yeah exactly eternity exactly um, yeah, and, and I think yeah. that's a difficult thing for guys, especially again, in, in your line of work to be admit things and be vulnerable and admit that you're scared or admit that you need help. Um, and I, and I think that's, we've now kind of come full circle as to why you being on this podcast works because your line of work that you're in and my line, it's really, obviously I'm not getting in the ring and fighting people, uh, you know, bare knuckle. There's definitely parallels. But there's parallels. Yeah. There's parallels because you know, coaching football is a, is a, is a, is a macho thing, you know, it's an ego thing and we can get caught up in all the same right. uh, trappings that, that, that fighters do. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I would love to be a fly yeah, on the wall. The fire department. Yeah. I would love to be a fly on the wall in your elementary school class. That's your substitute teaching. I got to imagine right. that, 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 um, you know, Mr. Henry, they, they find out pretty right. quick that you're a, that you're a fighter and not to mess with you. Right. Yeah, man. They, um, uh, when I come in, I give them, I act pretty stern, you know, I'm trying to bluff them, you yeah. know, let them yeah, know, there you, go. you know, and I tell them, you know, like I got, you know, I got four rules, you know, it's like, don't talk when I'm talking, don't talk when nobody else is talking, don't talk unless I talk to you, don't talk to you unless you raise your hand. I'm like, you can follow those rules, we're going to have a good day. And, uh, you know, there's, I like the elementary school because I get to do more teaching, Um uh, you know, I, I was really good at school. I liked, you know, a lot of that stuff. So, um, you know, they actually have lesson plans that a lot of times you have to go through with them. Uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, I teach kids jiu-jitsu every day up here. And, yeah, I, I miss being a kid. I am still wish I was a kid. Uh, you know, but I just mess with them all day, man. It's just uh, just talking smack back and forth with them or, you know, 
being funny, messing joke. And it, it's just a, it's a change of pace for me. You know, I don't necessarily do it every day or every week. You know, I kind of, I kind of just pick up, okay, uh, you know, I'm free on this day. I can pick one up. You know, I've got like an app that, you know, you can, and I got a couple of schools around here that like me and they'll call me, you know, when they have a short yeah. or something like that. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's pretty funny. They all have computers now, you know, so it just takes one of them to be like, you know, Oh, why are your muscles so big? You know, or something like that. And you'd be like, well, you know, I work out. And he's like, you, you know, you're a boxer. And, you know, they start doing all that kind of stuff. Well then it don't take, you know, 15 said, seconds. Hey kid, you already broke rule one and went to rule right. two because you're talking. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't ask you right. anything. So. Yeah. And they, you know, but when, 15 seconds they don't put my name into google and you know these pop pictures pop up me screaming and uh you know fighting people and stuff but you know they love it they you know they think i'm like some kind of celebrity or something so uh you know but you know I, i'm uh that was one of the reasons i wanted to do it too because there's a lot of kids in general that never have male role models around them. uh you know not good ones anyway uh you know I don't know how many kids nowadays are raised by single moms, but you know, if you're raised by a single mom and then you go to school all day and you have nothing but women telling you what to do, uh, you know, and then it's just, you never, you're never around men. All your teachers are women. You know, you don't actually start being around men until you're like, what, you're junior high, high school. Um, you know, and at that point you've already, you know, missed crucial stages of development, <laughs> you know, and how you're supposed to act and, and, and interact, especially with males socially. Uh, you know, so that was a big, big reason that I wanted to do it. Um, you know, I, I go in there, it's like with the high school kids, I try to, I try to tell them things that I wasn't told, you know, um, like, you know, you don't have to pick a major when you go to college, you can just be undeclared and take your core classes and not waste two years of your life. You know, there's things like that, you know, that I needed to be told when I was in school, you know, and nobody told me that, uh. You know, there's kids that are sitting there that aren't doing real good at school. And I'm like, bro, go be a welder. And they're like, well, Bill. I'm like, dude, I ain't never met a broke welder. I'm like, oh, sorry, I've met some broke welders, but it ain't because they didn't make enough money. It's because they spent too much money. <laughs> I'm like, you don't have to, you know, and, and, you know, I grew up in that age, and you did too, that, you know, your value was based on whether you graduated or went to college. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people that are half as smart as I am with a college degree. And I know a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me with a college degree that don't have half of what I have. Um, you know, so it's not about the paperwork or the degree. It's about the person. And, you know, I think we're lucky enough to live in a country where that's true, or at least seems to be at the, at the given moment. You know, I'm, I'm part of that, uh, you know, and I, I'm not one of those. And I'm not saying that based on my fight, you know, that I'm an outlier when it comes to that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, the top 0.01 percent, you know, even make it. In, in their league of sports to what I've done, it's not, that's not the dream, you know, but the fact that I've been able to work and pursue something that I love in the process of it and take care of myself while doing that, you know, that's, that's something that I've, uh, you know, feel like I'm very blessed to have. Uh, so, you know, but yeah, man, the substitute thinking is, is super fun. I like to kind of, you know, get to be around the younger kids a little bit, changes the pace from just adults and roofs and contracting and all the serious stuff, you know, uh, but it's a, it's a pretty good time. And then I get to see, you know, I'll see them at church or I'll see them around town. They're like, Coach Q, what's up? <laughs> They're like, you should get in trouble. You're being good. That's usually what I tell them. Like, you've been in trouble. Uh, but yeah, they, uh, 
it's it's good. And that's one of the things that I started to do more, you know, after I, you know, quit, you know, chasing idols, uh, you know, started getting involved with the community uh, more. I used to do it all the time, you know, uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, I don't necessarily regret going through that phase. I regret the way that, you know, things went down and necessarily the way I let it change me. But, you know, uh, I spent probably two and a half years of, being training like I was in training camp and almost every day I was eating right. I was training hard. You know, I would take like one cheat day a week on my, on my, uh, you know, like I, I became a different person over that course as far as an athlete and, uh, and as far as my skill set went, but, uh, you know, in, in hindsight, I think, uh, you know, God's timing is different than ours. <laughs> I don't know why, you know, things worked out the way they did or, you know, I can't go back and change them. But, um, you know, I, I feel like like things are on the right path, you know, as far as all that goes. Um, I think, you know, uh, part of the thought process when I did have a breakdown, and you know, transition over was like, man, this can't happen right now. I'm so close. Uh, you know, but I think in hindsight, I'm going to look back and realize that this is perfect timing, you know, because I now not only am I, you know, the best man I've ever been, I'm the best fighter I've ever been. And it's just, you know, one thing compounds the other. And, uh, you know, so, and, and it's not easy, you know, you know, as well as I do, uh, you know, if you're not staying plugged in, you're not keeping your, your battery charged, uh, you know, either with Bible study or going to church, uh, the temptations are out there, you know, uh, you know, the negativity and all that stuff will start to break you down. So, you know, I started trying to put, uh, the same work ethic I had in fighting into my faith and, uh, and, and it's paid me back tenfold, you know, uh, just continues to do so. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, Hey, we could keep on talking on a well into the, uh, to the yeah. night here, but as we talked about at the beginning of this, uh, we're both, uh, we both got kids and stuff going on. So I'll let you go and, and, uh, but just want to tell you how much I appreciate you coming on and joining us and, oh, man, and, and awesome. sharing with us. And uh, want to wish you the best of luck and, and keep me updated uh, on the uh, on the on the upcoming fights so we I can let these guys know and we can all tune in. Yeah, y'all catch me uh, on Instagram at Hero Henry. Twitter is Hero Henry. I just got Twitter back. Uh, I don't know if I like it still. Uh, Facebook Quentin Henry Quentin the Hero Henry. Uh, it's actually me. So hit me up. I'll message you back. Uh, you know, I spend all day talking to just random fans. I got like a fan group. I got put in the other day of like people from the UK. They call awesome. it uh, Hero Henry's Henchman. Awesome. Like, what? Awesome. Yeah, it's like a bunch <laughs> of foul mouth, super, you know, amped up British guys. But uh, yeah, I think a couple of them from like Ireland or something. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's wild, man. Yeah. Well, man, hey, like I said, once again, appreciate it. And I want to wish you uh, the best of luck uh, this, this, uh, this year. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Quentin for joining us today. I thought uh, what he had to say about you know, just how to handle the nerves and and jitters that he gets before a fight was a is a great point. You know, as as, a, as I mentioned when we were talking, I think our first impulse is to try to suppress those feelings as much as we can uh, instead of leaning into them and, and channeling those in a positive way to to help us perform uh, at our best. And I, and I think he would agree with that as well. And I think he that's what he does. And uh, of course, I loved hearing about his faith journey as well and how. Uh, that has been a work in progress for him, like it is for all of us who are 
you know, striving to honor God with, with our daily lives. And uh, I think that his platform is one that is really powerful. And he's got a great message that I'm glad we got to uh, hear today. Of course, you should go and follow Quentin on all his socials. You can find him on Twitter at the hero Henry. Go ahead and send him a DM and let him know you heard him here on KYPD. Also, you should check out some of his uh, fights on YouTube. They are impressive. I've included links to those in the show notes of today's episode. Also, if you'd like to be a part of the Bible study that Quentin and I are both a part of on Thursday mornings, we would love to have you. The link to the Zoom can be found in the show notes. I will say this. You do have to wake up early. It starts at 5 a.m., but I'm telling you, you won't regret waking up. It's a great group of guys. I've been doing it for a couple of years now and really enjoy uh, the time that we, we, we have together uh, with those guys and have really gotten to know a lot of them through Zoom and, and met several of them in person. So it's an awesome, awesome thing to be a part of. So if you want to be a part of that, you can also find a link uh, to that for that, to that Zoom link in the show notes of today's episode. Make sure you follow us as well at KYPD Podcast. And if you want to follow me, you can do that also. Uh, I can be found on Twitter at CoachTaylor53. Our quote of the day goes like this. The successful warrior is the average man with laser-like focus. And with that, we will ring the final bell on this episode. But we will be back uh, talking D-line play with a D-line coach from arguably, well, maybe not even arguably, but uh, Okay, we'll say arguably the most dominant football programs uh, in the nation, uh, definitely over the last decade or so. So make sure you subscribe and join us right back here next week. Until then, have a great week. And if you're starting football, good luck to you guys. Get those dudes going. And also, make sure you tell them. Keep your pads down.